welcome to Without the Footnotes with me, your host, Esther Rini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Holocaust in France. Hi friends and welcome to season three, episode one of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. Um, I finally got round to it and I'm beginning season three for all you guys. So what I am going to do this season is I decided to take it back to the Holocaust and to just dive into that a little deeper. And what I'm actually going to do is just go through country by country in Europe what actually happened and what the Holocaust looked like in each country and how it unfolded there, obviously in very simple terms. Um, but nonetheless, that's what I'm going to do because I think we kind of had this idea of the Holocaust and it was awful and six million people were murdered or six million Jews were murdered. Um, but the Holocaust actually looked different in uh every country that was affected by it and I think it's important to break that down and it kind of helps us also understand the scale of it and what the different communities different Jewish communities in different countries went through so that's what I'm going to do for you guys I'm not going to talk too much in the intro I hope everybody is well I am happy that things between Israel and Palestine seem to have calmed down um, as I said last week on my show the real work comes after after all the um violence has somewhat died down um there's still a lot of things going on over there so if this is the issue that you back now is the time to raise your voices even louder and support the communities there um so anyway without further ado i'm just going to crack on with this week's episode Okay, so let's do this. Let's go to France en français. Um, Okay, so first of all, let's outline the basics. The Holocaust in France was perpetuated between 1940 and 1944 in occupied France, Vichy France, and the French-controlled territories in Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco in North Africa. So following their successful invasion in 1940, Nazi Germany established a military administration in what became known as the Occupied Zone in the north, west and east of France, which was controlled by the German authorities. The south was established as the unoccupied Free Zone, which was governed by the Vichy regime. So how did we get to having two separate zones? Well, after the invasion, rather than sign an armistice, the then French Prime Minister resigned and Marshal Philippe Pétain took over. My apologies to any French speakers for my pronunciation. I have looked all of I have looked all of them up, all of the words that I need to say in French up, and I will absolutely try my best. But I don't know if you can tell by my accent. I am not French. Um, Anyway, Patan made a deal with Nazi Germany to move the French government from Paris to Vichy, a resort town in the south of France. And this is what was established and what became known as 
Vichy France. And the Vichy regime remained responsible for the administration of the entire country, including its French colonies, until 1942. So, although officially recognised as neutral, the Vichy regime collaborated with Nazi Germany and followed an authoritarian and nationalist ideology and, much like Germany, prioritised work, family and country and this kind of nationalist ideal of giving France back to the French. And this national agenda that was being pushed was reflected within French society and xenophobia and anti-semitism in general was pretty rife so what did this mean for jews living in france at this time well prior to this france had somewhat of an open door policy and had welcomed immigration during the interwar period between world war one and world war two so during this time a lot of eastern european jews actually migrated to france because of its liberal identity and paris soon became a rich cultural centre for Jewish life and a home to two-thirds of the Jewish population in France at the time and this was to change by 1939 when strict limitations on immigration were implemented due to the sudden influx of people fleeing Nazi Germany and it's estimated that there were around 350,000 Jewish people living in France prior to the Nazi invasion. However, although they were resident Jews, around 75,000 of them didn't actually hold official French citizenship. So just take note of that because that will become important later. So instead, those without French citizenship were recognised by the state as refugees or immigrants and they were therefore classed as stateless and at this point I think we all know statelessness and genocide don't mix why because when you because you have no official protection of the government and not that it really makes a difference when the government that you have citizenship changes the law to legally persecute you which happens quite often in genocide but in general in life if you are stateless you are acutely vulnerable to human rights violations because governments can essentially do what you want do what they want anyway back to nazi occupied france so when the two zones were established thousands of people fled the occupied zone in the north to vichy france in the south Alongside this, around 40,000 Jews from Belgium, the Netherlands and Luxembourg fled to the free zone as their countries were now also occupied by the Nazis. However, although somewhat independent of Nazi rule, for Jewish people, Vichy France was still a very hostile place to be. Um, Much like in Nazi Germany, persecution started in the occupied zone by excluding Jewish people from mainstream public life. The Statute des Juifs was enacted, which meant that Jews couldn't serve in specific positions in the military or civil service, and they were banned from medicine, law, teaching and industry and commerce, with the aim being to purify education, media, science, military, etc., etc., of a Jewish presence altogether. Now, the Vichy government followed suit and started a program of Aryanization, basically taking Jewish property and assets to ensure that they didn't fall into the hands of the Nazis. 
thousands of businesses and properties were taken from Jewish families, leaving them severely impoverished. Anti-Jewish propaganda was also used to perpetuate anti-Semitic stereotypes within the country. Now, the seizure of Jewish assets was supervised by the General Commissariat for Jewish Affairs and the Vichy state also created the General Union of Israelites of France and this kind of governing body was used to closely control and monitor the Jewish community. So there was a fully coordinated effort to persecute the Jewish population within France that was administered and implemented by the French government. Now, let's go back to why citizenship was so important. So initially, the government was only targeting foreign Jews who didn't hold French citizenship. Thousands of Jewish immigrants were forced to live in detention and forced labour camps. And it's worth noting that these were actually administered by the French authorities, as I think from mainstream media, we quite often have this idea that the SS administered all the camps. However, given the scale of the system and the countries that it operated across, this was not always so. So the living conditions in these camps was appalling. And it's thought that around 3,000 people died in the detention camps at Gur, San Cyprien, Rivesalte, uh, Laverne and Les Mille during the war years. In March of 1942, deportations to camps in Eastern Europe began and the detention camps where people were already being held um, were established as the starting point for these deportations. Many Jewish people tried to free, um, tried to flee the free zone at this time and cross the border into neutral um, Switzerland in order to escape this deportation process that was now beginning. So this actually caused a lot of unrest within French society at the time because of how Vichy was seen to be collaborating with Nazi Germany and its anti-Semitic um, policies. And this is where we begin to see resistant, resistance movements emerge within France. However, harsher laws continued to be enacted, which inclu- even included actual like manhunts for foreign Jews within the occupied zone. So most notably... A large-scale operation was launched in Paris on June 16th of 1942, where following German orders, the French police arrested around 13,000 Jewish people within one week and detained them at the Winter Velodrome. The Velodrome served as a sort of transit camp for deportation and people were held there without food or water or correct sanitation. And from there, they were transferred to concentration camps like outside Paris like near Paris until July around July and August of that same year where then most of the adults that were being held were then deported without their children directly to Auschwitz so this particular action is known as the Valdive and is the most infamous symbol of the persecution of Jewish people in France and I think to this day, I think there is a um, a memorial at this site now. So if anybody is in Paris and does want to visit that, I think you are able to. I think it has like a commemoration um, or a memorial there of, of 
sorts. Um, So throughout the summer of 1942, Jews would be deported from camps in the occupied zone, so in the north, um, from places such as Drancy, Petivier, which were both transit camps, and uh, transit camp is basically a holding, a place where people are held, like when people are rounded up and they're taken to a transit camp and then they're deported out of the country. Um, so they don't go straight away. They might they might have to stay there for days, weeks, however long it is until it's their turn to be... Um, oh, this sounds really horrible, but until it's their turn to be put onto the train for deportation. Um, so they were deported from these camps and deportations were also taking place from cities throughout the country so not everybody was taken to a specific place and then deported from a transit camp um this was also happening like within um yeah within the cities themselves so as these deportations were not concealed from the general public resistance came in many forms so non-jews would provide hiding places they would help facilitate border crossings to switzerland The church and the underground press actually urged the hiding of children and rescue operations were also carried out. Um, The actions against the Jews actually became such a political issue that it led for some time to the scaling back of deportations. So, well, the scaling back to some extent. However, this did not deter from the overall plan to implement the final solution in France. And in opposition to this pressure that was coming from the general public, the German authorities eventually took full control of the free zone in the south in 1942. And it's at this point that all of France, aside from the Italian zone in the southeast, came under came under German control. So just a little bit about the Italian zone. Although Italy was an ally of Nazi Germany at this point, the Italian authorities actually refused to comply with or enforce anti-Semitic legislation in the little zone that they occupied. They also would not hand over any Jewish people despite pressure from the Germans and thousands of Jewish people actually sought protection here until Italy's surrender in 1943 and this meant that the Italian zone was then eventually occupied by German forces. So once the Nazis occupied the entire country Jews with French citizenship then also became subject to deportation to the east and French resistance was forced underground whilst the French authorities seem to have little problem with rounding up foreign Jews um, to meet the deportation quotas that had been set for them there was resistance by French officials to deport French Jews this meant that the survival rate for French Jews was actually actually significantly high. Um, following the full occupation, Drancy, became, Drancy came under the administration of the SS and in 1943, Alois Brunner was sent to Paris to aid in accelerating the deportations once again. So there's like this, there is a pushback coming, but also there's there's this huge driving force of the Germans to implement the final solution. Um, these deportations continued until German forces surrendered in Paris in August of 1944. So, as I said earlier, there was also the French-controlled parts of northern Africa. So, I'm just going to explain 
quite briefly what went on there also in Algeria, Tunisia and Morocco. So in Algeria, anti-Semitic laws were enacted by the Vichy government with around 2,000 Jews being forced to live in concentration camps. Here they had to undertake hard labour, working on a Trans-Saharan railroad with many people dying from exhaustion, malnutrition, disease and maltreatment. In Tunisia... Tunisia was actually occupied by German forces and Tunisian Jews were subject to anti-Jewish measures. However, Jewish community leaders within the country refused to comply with German demands to provide lists of people. This actually resulted in large-scale roundups by the German authorities and around 4,000 Tunisian Jews were subject to forced labour where approximately 350 were murdered and six to 700 died of malnourishment and disease. In Morocco, anti-Semitic legislation was enforced by the Vichy government. However, the Sultan of Morocco actually refused to allow the ghettoization or deportation of Moroccan Jews, of which there were approximately 250,000. So this, he, he, the Sultan basically protected a huge, huge community from um, yeah, deportation from Morocco. And although this is a magnificent feat of resistance, the anti-Semitic laws that were adopted at the time had a profoundly negative effect on the Jewish community. And in the post-war years, there was mass immigration um, of Jewish people from the country, namely to Israel and other countries. So there was still this even if they were protected somewhat, the anti-Semitic laws and, and the kind of like way of thinking and way, ways of acting towards the Jewish community were so significant and had such an effect that it caused mass immigration from the country um, post-war anyway. Um, what is most interesting, I feel, about France is the survival rate of Jewish people compared to other European countries, with around three quarters of the population surviving. This is largely attributed to the resistance movements within France and the pressure of public opinion on the government. And France also has the highest number of citizens that have been awarded the Righteous Among the Nations, which is an award given to non-Jews who saved Jews during the Holocaust. As I said earlier, this was a very overt operation, one that the government, that one that the general public was very much aware of. However, this should not take away from the fact that a quarter of the population did in fact perish, and this is largely due, due to the French collaboration with German policy. It is thought that around 75,000 Jews were deported from France to concentration and death camps in the East, with approximately 72,500 of them being murdered, mostly in Auschwitz. And as I said earlier, because there was a lot of Jewish immigration into France and a lot of Jewish people didn't have French citizenship, this is ultimately what... Um, this is ultimately what led to their persecution. So just keep that little fact in your mind of how important citizenship and state and, ha and having the protection of a state really is. Um, so post-Holocaust, there was a wave of executions of Nazi collaborators in France and leading Vichy officials were put on trial. Mil militia organisations were disbanded and Marshal Pétain was sentenced to life imprisonment where he remained until his death in 1951. 
From the mid-70s, there have been attempts to prosecute known surviving Vichy officials for crimes against humanity, the implementation of the final solution in France, and crimes against Jews. The Nazi occupation is now come to be known in France as Les Années Noires, or the Dark Years in English, and its legacy still haunts the country to this day. So there you have it, a somewhat brief but I hope concise overview of roughly what the Holocaust looked like in France. Obviously I haven't gone into the intricacies of like policy and um, personal stories and stuff like that but I'm hoping you can use this episode as like a springboard if you are interested in France to maybe look up some of the places that I've mentioned or look into some of the the um, legislation or something Um and yeah have a like investigate a a little bit more for yourself maybe you live in France and you're going to go to a museum or a memorial site um or maybe seek out um what actually happened in the place that you live in and yeah I hope that that was informative for you as I said at the beginning of the episode this season I will be um kind of going country to country around Europe and explaining um what the holocaust looked like in that country and yeah that's i think all for this week if anybody didn't understand my pronunciation of some of the places or the names feel free to email me info at withoutthefootnotes.org or you can dm me on instagram info at um info Instagram is at without the footnotes that's the handle and um, I will be happy to share any information with you if you didn't quite get it from me saying it as I said not French have tried my best Um, if you have been or are enjoying my wonderful podcast then please do it do me a massive favor and rate review subscribe and share with your friends um all of those kinds of things that will really help me a lot to um yeah reach more people with my podcast and with that being said I think that is all for this week so I shall catch you next time ciao